welcome to week one edition number one of the new Sportsline broadcast here on CHCH. I'm Bubba O'Neill. So you're asking, Bubs, why are you doing a podcast? Well, friends, because my boss told me so. But honestly, why not? Nowhere in the province, perhaps even the country, are people just like you starving for sports content, especially when it pertains to teams, athletes, and figures that you follow, interest you, and in this case, are local to you. On the Sportsline podcast today, this Canadian is a native Jamaican that began building his athletic resume in the town of Oakville. Although excelling at basketball in his teens, the world of track and field came calling and his decision to focus on sprinting would change his life and those close to him forever. Although many of his accomplishments, there's so many of them, he's an Olympic, World and Commonwealth Championship. To top it off, he rightfully earned the title of fastest man in in the world. Let's bring in the champion. And Donovan, thank you so much for joining me. And based on your history of finishing first, and it's only apropos that you are the first guest on the Sportsline podcast. Good to have you. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, I'm hoping next time I'm sitting on the couch with you. Uh, but yeah, thanks for having me. And um, yeah, day one, number one, gold. Yeah, why not? Let's, let's start out. Let's start this podcast or your podcast out. That way with the champ. You know what? Before we sort of look back, let's begin with the present. And, you know, you recently released an autobiography. The title of the book is called Undisputed. Why Undisputed? Uh, because I am. Uh, you know, uh, there's no other Canadian in history um, that's ever been world champion, Olympic champion, and world record holder. In fact, I'm the first man in the history of the world who is legitimately Olympic champion, world champion, and world record holder. So, uh, you know, that if I have all the titles, then I'm, then I'm undisputed. You know, in your teenage years growing up in Oakville, I know you played a lot of basketball. I've seen you. I called some of your games at Sheridan College back in the day. Wayne Allison, or you remember that cat? You know, I remember a lot of buzz about your brother being maybe a better athlete than you. What made you kind of get into that athletic prowess? I know you like business as well. Well, my brother is certainly a great athlete. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna deny the genes. It, it came from our mom and dad. Uh, but certainly, there's still only one champion in the family. Uh, Wayne <laughs> Allison, phenomenal human being, one of the greatest coaches. Uh, you know, that I had, uh, certainly one of the greatest motivators at Sheridan College. Uh, I, and as you know, I mean, I still ball. I still, once a week, uh, Monday nights, uh, I get out and I try and ball to just make sure that I, you know, I keep, uh, you know, that's my anti-aging uh, serum is to get out and ball. Uh, but yeah, Oakville has been a phenomenal spot. Uh, it's been home. Uh, I've gone from Oakville to be top of the planet. And I'm still here. Right? You know, I still have a place here. So uh, it's one good to be here and good to talk to you today, man. You know, when you were going to QE Park and you made that decision to make that transition from the likes of basketball and some other things business wise that you were doing, when was it? When did you figure, you know what, I, I can compete, I can make a living of this? You know, I didn't, I didn't really think about it that way. I mean, my passion is still basketball today, like I said. Uh, but I knew that from when I was very young, I was I was I was very talented. I was very fast. Every single basketball court that I went on, I knew that I was the best athlete on it. Uh, I could jump higher than most people. I'm you know I'm almost six foot two. I could you know touch my head on the rim. You had a 50 inch vertical leap. Uh, so I was always the fastest guy or the guy that could jump the highest. 
and and in, in track season from high school, you know, all the way up to you know to when I turned pro, um, I knew that uh, it came easy for me. So maybe I took that for granted uh, when I was in high school, and also when I was in college, because I just played basketball then. Uh, but you know what? I met a guy named Dan Paff. Uh, he was coaching at LSU, Louisiana State University. You know, I went down to go see him. He told me, you know, that I that I had the talent and the gifts and the tools if I'm willing to put the work in uh, to be the greatest in the world. So, um, you know, when I got there, um, you know, that's kind of how history happened. Uh, you know, that that's all she wrote. You know, and and it's and you're right there. But you know what? I, being a Canadian, and I know you know this to be true, especially back in those days. Being a Canadian and 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 let's say competing on the world stage, that can be difficult sometimes because you are Canadian, right? Is it was well, that a little difficult for you? Well, it wasn't difficult for me personally. I mean, I think that um, you know I'm I'm uh, number four of five boys in my family, so there was competition there. Uh, then I went and I played competitive sport here, uh, you know, at Kiwi Park uh, and then at Sheridan College. So I think that we always had this drive uh, that medioc mediocrity wasn't uh, something that's, that was acceptable. I mean, yes, I, I do believe in little children participating in sport, but at some point you got to start keeping score. Uh, so, I, you know, for me, Baba, one of the things that I always had was the drive to be a winner. Uh, and I always, you know, even with my group of friends, whether or not it's networking or business, you know, or in sport itself. I mean, I, you know, I like to be around people that's going to enhance me and, and, and make me better. So, yeah, I knew from I was young that if, if placed in the right environment with people, with the proper work ethic, a coach that I could learn from, uh, then, then the sky's the limit. And, of course, the standards that were set by my parents were that if you're going to do something, you better be the very best at it. Okay, and, and you know what, let's just stop right there on that because I know, you know, you have the Jamaican background, I have the Trinidadian background, and, and I'm not going to say that this isn't for everybody, but we have, I think you and I had tough parents, right? And that they, you're right, they set a standard, and that's important to follow that standard because they always wanted something better for them what, from what they had to something that you had. Well, here's the thing. You and I can probably say now that we had tough parents. But I think that that was the tools that they had um, in their upbringing, and they obviously have to pass that on to us. Do I think that we're softer now? Absolutely. As a parent, I think I'm way softer th than my parents were. I think that I communicate with my children as opposed to to my children. Uh, you know, so I just think that, um, I, I just think that, uh, you know, I, I don't believe that my parents were tough on me. I think they had expectations. I have expectations of my children now. But at the end of the day, I mean, obviously, I think that how how it's communicated uh, to them is probably way different than it was uh, to myself <laughs> and to you. We are we are sons of the Caribbean. Yes. Uh, so obviously, your parents looking at you going, "Hey, man, you've got to you know you got to be the best, right?" Mm -hmm. And so and so these are the things I teach my kids, and and these are the things that I I mean I have a pretty huge platform around the globe. So these are the things I teach kids. Period. I mean, you got to put the work in. Uh, you got to be disciplined. If you're expecting, if, if you want to enjoy the glamour of what you see, if you want to enjoy the, you know, the private plane and the and the yachts and and the multi-million dollar thing, the things that you see, um, you know, high-performing um, public figures have, you have to understand that they took a lot of work to get there. 
you just brought up something that's really interesting to me. And you talk about some of the, the glamour and some of the, the perks that come with being a world champion. And you actually did that in 1995. How did that change your life from that kid in Oakville? How did that change you? You know, it's really funny. It really didn't change my life. I mean, I, you know, my, my, my parents were, were, were hardworking enough uh, that I grew up in a, you know, uh, beautiful middle-class community uh, with friends that I still have to this day. You know, I, I grew up in a home that I never had to worry about anything. I didn't have to worry about food or clothing or school or anything, any of that nature. I mean, you know, uh, so for me, winning the world championships really was just, uh, you know, the first of goals that I had uh, that, uh, you know, that I probably did because of the work that I put in. Uh, but it, obviously, from a public perspective, I think that, you know, there are times, like I grew up in a place where, where you know, privacy is something that I enjoyed. So obviously after winning the first world, after winning my first title, uh, then life changed them. Obviously you just couldn't, you just couldn't go someplace and, 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 and not be recognized. So you, so you realize that um, then that this is what comes with it. Also, because I ran the 100 meters, uh, you know, coming off the history of the 100 meters in this country, there's a lot of other things that I had to deal with. And so because, again, of my parents and embracing my responsibility, uh, then, you know, that that came uh, that also came easy for me. But I also knew the weight that it carried. Now, I don't know if you ranked them anywhere, but here's the world championship here in 95. And then just one year later, there's the Olympics. Was there pressure to perform there? Uh, not really. I think that it came, that, again, that, that, that's for me, it's the natural, it's, it, it's, it's the natural way of things. I mean, the Commonwealth Games was in 1994. The World Championships was in 1995. The Olympics came later. Then the 150 with Michael Johnson after. I mean, you know what? So for me, it was, it was really just how things were supposed to play out. You know, so ultimately, every single time, every year where I went back to school in the U.S., um, to start training and start training for the next season, uh, I just had to think about the next big task, which was the next year. And so after winning the world championships, the natural way of things was that the Olympics was going to be the year after that. I'm representing Canada. I'm Canadian. I'm a proud Canadian. You know, so I'm the number one guy in the world. So, so you know, obviously I have to focus on, you know, the task at hand, which was the Olympic Games. You know, that's funny you say that because you're the Olympic champion. You're the fastest man in the world. You're the world champion. You're undisputed. You are undisputed. And then NBC's Bob Costas had to open his <laughs> mouth. What, what? Okay, you want to tell me exactly what went down there? Let's hear your side of the story there. Well, you know, that, that's why you have to go out and buy the book. Buy the book. <laughs> Bob, Bob, tell the audience, get out and buy the book. Undisputed. Available everywhere. Um, you know what? The The... You know what? It, for me, it was a it was a great economic windfall for Michael Johnson and myself. Uh, Michael Johnson, I completely respect the man as an athlete. Uh, you know, he's probably he's he's one of the greatest speed endurance athlete ever. However, he's not a power speed guy. So, it, it, like, so again, uh, you, you're probably talking about like a like an F1 car. If you're gonna if you're gonna compare the cars, if you're talking about an F1 car racing like an Indy 500 car. Michael Johnson is incredible at what he did, but at no chance in hell was he did he have a chance. 
Uh, and, um, you know, being the world record holder in the 100 meters and being the re world record holder in 200 are completely two different uh, um, distance. You train differently. Um, you know, the, the power, power distribution is different. Um, you know, the endurance is different. Uh, so it was a great windfall. What it was, what it was also was that I think that I'm reminded, especially with my Canadian fans, I'm reminded often that it was a time where Canada was probably, there's a lot of people that were just proud, people that were pr proud to just be Canadian, be tired of being beaten up, I guess, in sport mm -hmm. by the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, and and, and it, was, it was that time that you stood proudly and go, oh, you know what? I can do anything, and I can also I can do anything, but but also do it and be proudly Canadian at the same time. You know, I talked to Adam Vancouver about this, and he, you know, obviously was an Oakville guy as well, too, uh, world yep. champion, Olympic medalist in, in in rowing, and he talked to me about how. He is, you know, like you talk about being noticed around town and that kind of thing and, you know, across the country. He wasn't that noticed. But he said to me, if I go to places in Europe, Hungary, I'm signing autographs everywhere I go. I, was that the case, too, with sprinting and, and track and field as compared to where we are here in North America? And we've got the basketball and the NHL and the NBA and the NFL. And when you go to places like Asia and, and, uh, and Europe, is that, is that the case, too? Dude, I'm the fastest man in the world. <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it is, you know, again, Adam's a good dude, but he's on the water. And there's not a whole, I mean, there's continents that don't, uh, have athletes entered into his event. Uh, it, the 100 meters has an athlete in all 200 countries or 220 countries in the world. Every single country has a world's fastest man or has their own national champion or their own country champion. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm recognized around the planet. I mean, it, it, there's absolutely no country I've ever landed that uh, that doesn't command uh, media presence. That, that, I think that's outstanding, and, and that's great for, I think, track and field. And, and where are we in track and field? What's the state of Canadian sprinters in, 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 I guess, track and field in this country right now? Is, is, it, is it something to look forward to? Are we, are we on the ups, uh, upswing? Of course, dude. It's excellent, man. Track is so good now. I mean, it's... You know, I mean, I'm always, I've always been one that played forward. And, 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 and so, I mean, when I look at and I see what Aaron and Andre's doing, Damon Warner, uh, um, Lepage, uh, you know, uh, you know, Carmen, the, the, all the throwers, actually, because we're now a throwers nation. Um, you know what? I, I think it's our track team is incredible right now. 800 winning. We're like, we're, we're, we're no longer athletes from this country. Uh, like when I got the track that settled for just getting a uniform or mediocrity. I love the fact that we are, that the athletes here are aspiring to get on the podium every single time. Um, I am their biggest cheerleader and I think it's incredible. Glenn Roy is the head coach and clearly the administrator ensuring that a lot of these athletes are prepared and getting there. He I mean his success came on, on my relay team. And, uh, and, and I got to tell you, man, the, the, the athletes now are incredible. I'm looking forward to Paris. Uh, we have some great um, men and women that's going to be representing this country. And, and uh, you know, stay tuned to CBC and, and let's cheer on all these kids so they can bring back some medals.
You know, it's amazing. And you and I have known each other for so long, and, and I so vividly remember those days and the excitement that you caused, uh, like, locally. Who would have ever thought a guy from Oakville would become, as you said, you know, the fastest man in the world, Olympic champion, world champion. When you look at it all back now, Donovan, where we are at this stage in our lives, and you look back a little bit, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of this is in your book, but just for us here and for our listeners here and our viewers, it, 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 you must be proud. Oh, I'm exceptionally proud. I've always been someone who strive for, for big things. Uh, there's times really that you have to leave your environment to achieve those things. I think that if I stayed in Oakville, maybe uh, I wouldn't have because uh, there are so many people. I think that sometimes as Canadians, we spend our time trying to tell people not to attempt something or not to do something. And, my, and, and I guess maybe I, I've always operated on a different frequency from when I was very young. You know, so at the end of the day, I'm, I have always been the optimist. I've always been the person that you should try something. I mean, the old saying goes, you miss 100% of the shots you do not take. And so I tell kids, if you have an opportunity to get a scholarship, to go to America, to participate in sport, to make the Olympic team, uh, you know, to network with people from other countries and other nations, um, you know, other cultures, uh, and, you know, these are things that you must do. And, and, and frankly, do this when you're young, when you have, when you have no or very little responsibility. Get out, educate yourself, uh, you know, be around people that's going to challenge you to be the better you. And, and so, yeah, Baba, for me, I, I mean, I always knew I was going to be, I always gonna, knew I was going to be somebody. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, my job's not done yet. I'm still being a somebody. Uh, you know, I think that writing a book now, it's very important. We touched on a couple of topics, things that we didn't, we couldn't touch on back in the day without being, you know, criticized. Um, we can all. I mean, now you're 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 a black man hosting a podcast. You know, I'm the champ who's a black man who happens to be a black man also. Uh, <laughs> you and I are both sitting uh, on the airwaves right now, educating the public, and 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 both being very very good at what we both do, and it has nothing to do with color. Right. Uh, you know, so ultimately, you know, this is what this is what this is all about. Uh, challenge yourself. Be around people that challenge yourself, uh, that challenge you, uh, you know, continue to do great things. I mean, I, I'm I feel young. So there's so much more for me to do. Uh, and, and, and so, yeah, from, you know, coming from Oakville, uh, you know, coming from Jamaica, then landing in Oakville and and, and being a local boy, yeah, I, I knew I was destined for amazing things. So it's my responsibility now uh, to make sure that I, that I continue uh, to pass this on, to play it forward to all the kids. I mean, it's stuff like this where I say to someone like you, congratulations from where you've come from to where you are today. And I'm very certain that you will play it forward. Well, I'm going to say this to you. We'll end on this, Donovan. I, I, I'm really upset at myself. I have it sitting on my buffet. A little card about this size right now with you after you winning the 100 meter and you signed it to me saying, follow your dreams. I will never forget that. That sits on my buffet that will never leave. So thank you for all you've done. Thank you for joining us here on podcast number one here on Sportsline. And I'll say this for many of the people that I know that, you know, we're all of the same age group. And it, it was fun. It was a lot of fun following your career. And, and thanks for giving back as well, too. And thank you for joining us. Well, thank you. And I, and I, will, and I will reiterate what I wrote on that card. Uh, I, I want you to follow your dreams, and I want every single every single one of our audience members to understand that. 
you you got to put the work in, but you definitely should follow your dreams. Thank you, Donovan. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right, folks, that is con. That is not sports line, you know, podcast number one. We're on the books. Folks, if you have a local team to promote, believe an athlete deserves a little love, have an outstanding idea, or you just want to talk a little sports, the sports line podcast wants you. Contact me on many of your CHCA social media platforms, and we'll set something up. If you can, hit the thumbs up and subscribe button wherever you watch or listen to your podcast so you always get the latest and the greatest. For the outstanding hands and minds that make this production possible, I give you thanks. And folks, we'll see you tomorrow.